And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Oh, oh, Doc. Oh, Doc Manson. Oh, Doc Manson at Doc Manson. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. It's always nice to speak with you, my hetero pod mate in this world. So, uh, how are how are you doing? How how are you doing this fine day? <clears throat> I am doing all right. I'm doing all right. Did it's... I say DC Matthews at the DC Matthews? I can't remember. We're thirty uh, seconds in, and I can't remember. But anyways, it's fine. I don't. I think anyone listening, if you don't know how to find me. That's an issue, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But yeah, we're here. It's a Wednesday. <clears throat> this is, we're not springing forward yet, but I'm waiting for the sunset to happen later, so it's lighter later, so it doesn't feel like we just leave in the dark and come home in the dark and everything is just... Oh, come on. When you got dark. home today, it was not dark. That's true. Although I did have to, you know, go pay $500 to fix my car. What's wrong with your car? Nothing besides the fact that it's old and <clears throat> because I don't drive it around. Let me ask you, you're, you're, you're a gearhead. You know, you know all things cars. You're, oh, yeah. You're a master of the automotive. That's me. Um, when, when you go for an oil change and they say, all right, come back in three to four months or 3,000 miles, whichever comes first. Which one do you do? Whichever comes first. Okay, so you, you'll take it in every three or four months. I won't, no. Okay. <laughs> I do my own oil changes, to be honest, to this point. Fair enough. I took my car in because it has been probably closer to six months or so. Cause Honestly, I think I do mine once. I, yeah, once every six months or so. Twice a year, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and I took mine in. And I was aware that over the over the winter, <clears throat> I had shoveled off my hood and took one of the little windshield washer spigots with me. That yeah, happens uh, almost every summer. Winter, um, winter. No, in the summer I like to shovel off. The, the heat. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, All that pollen. You really got to get a shovel exactly, up there. Exactly. Yeah. My allergies. Um, so I was aware of that. Apparently, it turned out the hose itself. There was a problem in the in the inside, and then uh, my power steering fluid and my transmission fluid were both black, and I I'm going out on the limb to say that's bad. Sure. Now you know, as official car guy, I say sure to that. Now <clears throat> I don't know the first thing about cars. Like I remember my dad teaching me how to change a tire, and then I forgot. So, um, you know, I assume that it is relatively straightforward to change your own oil. Relatively, yeah. I assume you go underneath. Well, I, let, me, let me walk you through what I would think would happen. Uh-huh. I would imagine there would have to be a pan under the car to catch oil. Accurate so far. Now, I don't know whether or not you would need to go under the car to loosen something for the oil to then come out or if you do that under the hood and it just happens to drip down okay <clears throat> and then you you kind of empty out the oil and then you put more oil in and you've changed your oil how how close am i to what what exactly needs to happen uh you're not far off and some of the details can change depending on the model car you have um the one thing that you've forgotten is and this isn't set in stone necessarily but they're so cheap people tend to do it these days um you change your oil filter every time you change your oil as well sure again that's not a hard and fast rule a lot of these filters now are good for a lot more miles than what you're putting into the oil um but for the most part you're only talking a seven dollar part to change out that filter some filters can be reached from above um in my car everything is underneath you do have to get the car up on uh, – I just have some ramps that I drive up on that are made for this sort of thing. You know, so they're they're meant to support the weight of the vehicle. I got some ramps that were 
rated for twice the weight of my vehicle. So I feel, you know, secure under them. They're only plastic. So, like, I do feel a little insecure having this multi-ton thing above my head. Um, but, again, I, I, I bought for twice the weight. So I sort of feel like, okay. <clears throat> and then underneath there's just this compartment that you have to get into. There's a couple screws plus some push um, fasteners that just sort of pop out. And once you get into that compartment in my car, there's two things. There's an oil pan, which just has a stopper in it. And that's the thing that you would unscrew and the oil would come rushing out of it. And you would want to collect it in a pan. Um, And typically, before you do that, you'll want to go above the car, the engine block. There is a place there where you actually unscrew to put the oil in. And next to that's your dipstick for checking your oil levels. Yeah. You tend to want to open that first so that way you're not making a vacuum in the line so the oil will come out easier. Um, so you open that up so it's just not you know sealed at that end. You go underneath, you unscrew it, it pours out. And the other thing you do is you unscrew the old oil filter because you're going to swap that out as well. So then you put the new oil filter on, and there's a little bit of finessing there, but that's not a big deal. Really, the big thing you want to make sure you do is you want to make sure you take a little bit of new oil, run it around the seal on the new oil filter, and that's to prevent the rubber seal from adhering and getting stuck next to the metal plate that it just keeps it nice and loose. So when you go to change it next time, it comes off nice and easy. Um, and basically, you only want to hand tighten the filter. You, know, you go a little bit more than that, but you don't want to really torque it on there. And then you put the plug back in after it's done draining. I usually let it drain 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Um, depending on how warm the engine is, it'll flow faster the warmer the engine has been because the oil will be warmer. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, you know, once you've got that all sealed back up, you do want to kind of torque the uh, the nut going, sealing the oil pan. In my car, it's different in different cars, but in my car, there's this metal washer between the bolt and the oil pan. That metal washer is what's called a crush washer. So you're supposed to torque it a certain amount, and the metal itself is just aluminum. It does crush a little bit to make a nice firm seal there. Um, I don't have a torque wrench, but I probably should because I'm not... Some people can feel the torque. You have real gearheads, but I'm not... That's not me. I should get a torque wrench because my last time I changed my oil, it had a real slow drip, I discovered. I'd, I'd like to point out at this yeah. moment, I don't even know what torque is. I assume it's... Yeah. It involves this movement. <laughs> well, yeah. So when you, when you, when you, like, torque is a force, right? Um, but basically, for the rotational movement of a bolt, you're fastening it to a certain degree of snugness, right? And that's measured in torque. And torque wrenches are basically something that you can, they're either they're preset or you get ones that can be set. And so it's basically like a socket wrench, you know, and you can crank on it. But it'll click at you once it's reached a certain force that you're applying, so you know to stop, basically. Okay. And different things can be snugged different amounts. If you over-snug, you know, a bolt in an oil pan, you could strip it, the you know, the, the, the threads, and then you wouldn't be able to seal it, and then oil would just be pouring out of your car. Oh, God. Because now you'd have to get the oil pan replaced. Sure. Um, and then you, you know, once that's all sealed up, you get back above the car. Again, the engine block, there's that hole there that you opened up earlier. That's where you get your funnel. You dump in the new oil, something like four and a half uh, quarts or so, depending, again, on your engine. And then uh, you seal it up, and you turn your car on, and nothing explodes, and you're good to go. All right. <clears throat> I've had this question since about the 30th second that you started yeah, yeah, yeah. this. Do you have a little outfit that you wear? No. To do to do this? Do you have nah, like I've got some old jeans that I'll put on and just a, an old t-shirt that if I happen to get it oily, whatever, just go in the okay. wash, it's fine. You don't have like the full no. thing. <clears throat> so I don't even Doc, have that cool little slider thing, you know? Some people have like those... Uh, yeah. To slide under the car easily. <laughs> I don't have cool that. Taylor sort of thing. I just have a giant piece of cardboard that I had for some reason, and I just shove that under the car, and that way I don't have to lay on the concrete of my uh, garage. That's all I have. Well, I am very impressed because, you know, <clears throat> I gave myself a real big pat on the back when I managed to change, like, one of my uh, 
like the headlights went out or the turn signal light bulb went out or something hey, like man, that. Hey, man, that's not easy. That's and not easy. I managed to do that. There you go. Um, I tried to do it in the tail light. The tail light still is a little loose. Like at some point, it's just going to fall off and drag <laughs> behind the car for a while. But so far, so good. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't do too much of that stuff. I just do the oil changes because they charge so damn much to do them. Um, it was about sixty dollars. Yeah, I can do it myself change. for usually somewhere around twenty five bucks. And yeah, it takes me a half hour or an hour, depending. Yeah, but you're gonna, you know. Unless yeah. you go to one of those quick lube places. Like, it's going to take you a while anyways. Yeah, so. but I, I think it's a savings worth having, well, personally. Right. Well, if you would like your car worked on by the good doctor, um, send us an email, and uh, we'll schedule you an appointment. What What other, you know, I again, they mentioned the fluids as if it wasn't essential to get them done. I'm sure there's a way to do that as well. Probably a similar sort of. Yeah, those fluids thing. I'm not 100% sure of. Um, I haven't done those myself. And I know like the brake fluid is a closed system that I, I don't necessarily want to mess with it. I don't know how the other I don't know how the other fluids are. That's probably easy as well, but I've never looked into it. Yeah, um, it's, it's not something it's you do those, often. So I, I am grateful that I am in a position where you know paying someone five hundred dollars to fix these things, and <clears> I was know. real close to changing my own brakes this last time. Really, real close. I was watching videos on YouTube, and I was like, "This does not seem difficult." I just, I'd have to buy a few different tools that I don't currently have. But someday. Yeah, I think so, because it doesn't it really doesn't seem hard. You know, I, I am sure tall guy would love to help you with that. Uh, I'll pass. I'd rather do it myself, having never done it before than enlist his help. No offense, tall guy, if you're listening. I don't think he's ever changed his brakes. But I think he has. Really? Um, I think he used to drive this old Ford Taurus yeah. way back when. And I want to say that he did it, although... I'm not sure he really did it so much as maybe his stepfather did it while he watched. I don't I don't know exactly sure. what the situation was. Yeah. That was never, you know, the champ, Papa Matthews, not a handy guy. I don't think it's ever been something in our particular line. <clears throat> so I remember learning how to change a tire. And at one point he had it set up almost on the frame of the, like he almost like just dented the car cause he had it in the wrong place. Nice. And it's just not our skill set. We it's have fine. other skills. And my father's not it. really much of a mechanic either, but once I got the house and I started doing some of this maintenance on my lawnmower, it's not that different. You know what sure. I mean? So it just sort of was like. I think like you said, you just kind of have to understand <clears throat> the pieces of the puzzle. And in this case, that seemed like a fairly yeah. easy puzzle to put together. As opposed to, like you said, whether it's the brake fluids or something else, which might be a little more difficult. But I doubt I, they're I difficult. Say, but yeah, I don't know. The thing with the brakes is that gives me pause is if I screw that up, that's potentially – an issue. You know what I mean? Sure. But, I, but at the same time, I just keep looking at it. I was looking at it and looking at it. I was like, I don't think I can screw this up. Like, So here's what I think you do. You buy a new car. Every time you need to replace something. No. Oh, oh okay. You buy, but you have two cars. And one car is the, well, let me try this and see if I can figure out how to do it car. So that way, if you, you know. You, you try to fix the brakes, and then you drive around your little cul-de-sac real slow and see if the brakes work. And, and if, if it not, does, just kill a few children, and it'll if, be fine. If it does, you just kind of ease into the ditch, okay. and then, you know. So that's that's what I, I think. Just get yourself a second car. Get yourself some sporty little Mazda Miata or something like that. I've honestly thought about it because, I mean, to the listeners, I think we've mentioned it before. Mrs. Manson doesn't drive, so we are a single automobile household and in america anyways it's very common for couples to each have their own car um i've often thought about more so recently think i've thought about getting a second car something that would be a little less practical and maybe a little more fun but even mm -hmm. then i don't know if that's the way i would honestly go i don't know that i would get something sporty part of me thinks it would be a great reason to buy an electric vehicle one that I could drive back and forth to work every day 
and just come home and plug it in for cents on the mile. You know what I mean? That to me seems more likely for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I mentioned a Mazda Miata. I don't see you in a sports car. You're a much more sensible person. <laughs> yeah, again, I mean, I do again, want a car with again, more horsepower to, than I have, but I, again, we go to Tall Guy. Um, he would drive. You know, for someone who's six five, he'd drive a car very low to the ground. Um, <clears throat> I've often thought, you know, at some point I'm going to need to replace this car. This car was built. This is a twelve year old vehicle at this point. Um, I'm often like, I think I need a truck. And <laughs> why? <laughs> that's the and I'm like, you know, to cart stuff. We go to yard sales. We do all of these things. Like, you know, if if we were to or if we ever were to buy a couch or something like that, rather than have to like pay the delivery, like we'll just put it in the back of the truck and we can just get it. She's like, my wife's like, so you want to buy a truck for the two times a year we might want to put stuff in the back? I'm like, yeah. I think, I think I need a truck. I'm with Mrs. Matthews on this one. I, I, it totally makes sense. But every so often I look at trucks and, she, and my wife is like, no, you're not buying a giant truck. Like you, you're not buying one of those. Get like, an F-450. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, if you want a pickup truck, you can buy a small sensible one. I'm like, well, what's the point of a small sensible <laughs> truck? I want a truck that I can fit a king size bed mattress in the back without having to prop it up. Just lay it flat. So you don't don't strike me as a truck person. I'm absolutely not a truck person, but that's it's it's that there's a thing you said, which is the thing you said about the yard sales, the tag sales. That makes a certain amount of sense to me. You guys do frequent those that I could see that being convenient. You I think you have a better use case than I do. Yeah, but but at um, the same time, like, you know, we, we bought a bed frame and we managed to fit it into our car or on the roof rack of the car like we made it work <clears throat> so like worst case yeah. scenario you go over to u-haul and you can rent for 20 dollars a pickup truck i think even home yeah. depot rents them for 20 bucks like yeah that's what we would i'm sure wind up doing and i'll buy another suv i'm sure i don't think i've never driven a regular car like all the cars i've owned have been suvs i can't imagine myself yeah i can yeah, I think you should right. get a beetle. <laughs> I was I was uh, up in the Great White North, and there was a beetle dealership. I saw more Volkswagen Beetle vans. There were like twelve of them, and I was like, <clears throat> "Those would be fun too." I think you could, could fit very well van. into a van. Yeah, I would just grow this out, like uh-huh. a full, like bushy beard. So you're gonna have to pay someone sack. to put some killer art on the side, though. <clears throat> yeah, I always carry around a hacky sack in my pocket. Oh man, what's been what's been going on in the life of Doc Manson? What are you what are you entertaining yourself with? I don't want your piece of positivity yet, but just oh, I know you've been watching all the Saw movies. I have. Oh, for, forgive me if that was your piece of positivity, but uh, tell us, you, is this the first time you've seen the Saw movies? I saw the first Saw movie a long time ago. That would have been sometime around when it came out, two thousand three. I saw the second Saw movie in a second-run theater, so I saw that more or less around the time it came out, a little later, and then that was it. I never saw the rest of them because, I mean, the first two were good, but they just didn't really appeal to me, and they started getting this reputation. I mean, not just that they were popular, but, you know, it was, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but very frequently thrown around the torture porn genre uh hostile hostile to these films um and it's just something about that never really appealed to me as as much as i like horror movies it just didn't really seem like a genre for me and there was while i enjoyed the first two saw movies i was like yeah i think i've had enough of this you know what i mean but then i was really thinking about it and i forget who was talking to me about it in the bestie chat it might have been che but we were basically talking about it he asked me if i had seen the saw movies and i was like just the first two And in that moment, it struck me like for someone who purports to be, you know, a connoisseur of the horror genre, as someone who is interested in filling in my back catalog. I mean, this last year, I've watched so many Italian horror films that, I, you know, just to sort of fill in that blind spot. I was like, how can I honestly not watch the Saw movies? They were a a phenomenon. They 
did gangbusters at the box office. They released one a year every year for like seven years. Regular yeah. as clockwork. Like, that's a huge blind spot. I have to, I really should. And now here's the problem is now that I've watched the Saw movies, I'm looking at my other blind spots and I'm like, well, I guess I should watch the Final Destination movies. But again, these are movies that like do not appeal to me. So I just I, now I'm starting to feel like I need to watch them just because I haven't seen them. And there's like seven <coughs> of them. Five, I think, for Final Destination, actually. But yeah. Forgive me for bringing it around to wrestling, but I felt similarly when it comes to, you know, WWE Network was just like, oh, we just released 10 ECW super shows, which is great. More content is wonderful. But I tried to watch the first one and it's like terrible just in terms of like the video quality is bad. Uh, It's not Joey Styles. It's this guy, Jay Sully, who is like every bad announcer you've ever heard. <clears throat> times 10 um but the the per- like i'm like why well, I, I should probably say i've seen this like i should probably watch these things and i have to tell myself no i don't have to see every wrestling match <clears throat> you don't have to see every horror movie but know? that said i've now watched all of the saw movies uh did you like them overall yes i liked them okay i think the writing got really loose somewhere around part Four or even part five, maybe. And at that point forward, the writing was not great. And part seven was a real step back. Part seven saw 3D, the last of the original series that capped off the series in 2010. That movie stunk. Like the acting in that movie was really, really bad. And like all the other movies up to that point, Yeah, you could argue about a couple of key actors in the series, but Seven was actively bad in a lot of ways that none of the other films were. And that was a little disappointing. Um, But then Jigsaw, which came seven years later, the original series sort of finished up in 2010 and they released this one in 2017. That was kind of a return to form. But at the same time, the thing that I really liked about the series is Jigsaw as, you know, this maniacal murderer, if you will, he has this philosophy about how he's helping people and he doesn't actually kill anybody. He gives them a choice. You know what I mean? And that's his whole thing. He despises murderers. He's he's like there's there's a psychology aspect to it, a philosophical thing. And from that perspective, Jigsaw is actually a really interesting character. And watching that unfold over the course of the series was the best part. But the problem was, and this is what I mean when the writing was getting looser, eventually you're seeing Jigsaw in these situations where he's, you know, saying he's saying this monologue that's very much playing up to these haughty philosophical, you know, expectations that he set over the course of the series. But if you really pick apart what's happening, it doesn't match anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's not it doesn't it doesn't match up anymore and it's it's just it's just poor writing at some point um and like especially because the series does a lot where it's playing with time things are happening sort of out of sequence and some of the things that they have happening earlier once you figure it out it's just like i understand a horror movie any movie but a horror movie especially requires a certain degree of suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. but it just some of that stuff just noodles and spaghettis on top of each other in such a way that you're just like, this makes no sense. And I realize I'm saying that about a movie about a guy who builds ingenious traps designed to kill people. Like I get it. I mean, nothing about that actually makes sense. But again, the the driving force, especially through the early movies is the strong sort of philosophical approach of jigsaw. That's actually really interesting. And to see that, start to unravel simply because of really poor writing is it's kind of upsetting in some ways. Sure. And that's why you don't watch wrestling anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Cause you used to be into it and all, you know, the, some of the characters were really good and you were able to suspend disbelief, but now because of just really bad writing and all of these things layered on top of each other, you're kind of like, eh. Yeah. Again, overall I'd say I enjoyed it. Jigsaw was, 
good. It was certainly a much better made movie than part seven before it, it, but it had a lot of problems in terms of the storytelling, the character development, the general writing. Uh, but Hey, all in all, it makes me, uh, look forward to spiral, which is releasing in March. And is that also part of the series spiral from the book of saw? What a stupid title. (laughs) Okay. Because Saw is a book now, DC, from the Book of Saw. I don't know. It looks like an interesting film. It's uh, The story treatment was written by Chris Rock, who is executive producing and starring in it. And he is starring alongside Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. All right. I don't really know what to think about it, but he's a big fan of the original series. The trailer that dropped looks okay, with the exception of Samuel Jackson saying, you want to play a game, motherfucker? I mean, that's just Samuel Jackson leaning into it because that's what he does these days. Um, But otherwise, I'm intrigued and will probably enjoy seeing that film. All right. When's that come out? March, I think. May. May 15th. May. Okay. A little further out then. Well, all right. Wow. I'm glad you watched them. I'm glad you enjoyed them. <clears throat> Maybe check out Final Destination 1 if it's not your cup of tea. Then... I've seen the first one, actually. I saw that one in the theater, and then I didn't see any of the others. So, Okay. If I do pick it up, I'll start with part two. Um, did you watch any of TakeOver Portland? No, I did not. Okay. How was that? I, uh, truth be told, only watched the first three matches. Um Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic was excellent. The Dakota Kai. It's the guy who looks like he's pooping in his entrance, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Dakota Kai Tegan Knox street fight was very good. Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano was pretty good. But a little long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did not watch Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Um, I did not watch. The Broser Waits, <clears throat> Pete Dunn and Matt Riddle win the tag team titles. Um, and I did not watch the main event, which can I spoil something for you? By all means. Spoilers. Three, two, one. Johnny Gargano turning on Tommaso Ciampa. So Adam Cole retained. Yes. Okay. So. My I'm favorite ant- part of the last NXT takeover that I watched Blackpool or whatever that was, too. Oh, that's the UK one. Yeah. Because Johnny Gargano. Oh, no, maybe it was Worlds Collide. Hmm. Gargano and Tommaso were a tag team on that show. Yeah, against Mustache Mountain. There was this scene backstage of them sitting in the locker room. It's sort of being interviewed, and Johnny Gargano was talking to the camera. And just in the background, you hear Tommaso Trump goes, I think I'm going to turn on him tonight. And he's like, no, <laughs> you're not. Yeah, I think I am. Stop it. You're, you're not going to turn on me tonight. Hmm, I might. Like... That that little sequence between the two of them, I really, really enjoyed yeah. in that show. Um, so we record on Wednesday, so people are tuning in tonight to figure out exactly what happened. You know, are we going to see some sort of fatal four-way match with Balor involved for the title at the WrestleMania takeover? Are we going to see Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa again? But this time Gargano's more of the heel character. I don't know. Okay. I do know that I believe when Tommaso Ciampa returned, the whole idea was it wasn't going to be for, like, his neck injury It was severe enough that, like, he could come back for a little bit, but he probably shouldn't wrestle for a long time. So in the back of my head, I'm like, are, are we winding this down? Like, are we seeing the last couple matches of him before he becomes a trainer, coach sort of thing? So it... We'll see what happens. All right. Um, let's see. Anything else interesting of note in the... <clears throat> I have yet to check out the Ruthless Aggression documentary that has started on WWE Network. They're doing a little documentary on the Ruthless Aggression era. People are very upset because WWE is writing their own history and not being as truthful as some people would like them to be. Um Again, I haven't seen it, but I kind of had a feeling that was coming, which is why I haven't seen it. So it doesn't surprise me. It's what the company's been doing its entire existence. Yeah, 
They're mad nobody's mentioning Chris Jericho. They're mad that <clears throat> I don't. There was something else that they were. I can't remember what everyone had their panicked and made a big stink about, but stuff. Maybe it'll be in an email. Maybe podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Unless you have anything else major to get to, we've got half a dozen, half a, well, not half a baker's dozen. That would be six and a half emails. Uh, but the first one uh, came through last week after we recorded uh, from our good buddy Simon over in the UK. We don't hear from him often, but we're always glad when we get to Serial on Podcasts. Greetings from Windy Manchester. I'm writing this on my first day of freedom. Following four days confined to my house by a storm. I heard that. There was some major rain, wind, storm in the UK, which is not a common thing for them. Hmm. Rainy conditions are nothing <coughs> new for my area of the country, but this week we had a storm of biblical proportions, and once or twice it nearly resulted in a non-predetermined kind of flippy shit. Hmm. Luckily, I survived both of Ma Nature's attempts to flip me and my chair. Oh, God. And yours truly continues to reign as king and queen of North Manchester. Incidentally, if you remember in the past, I have informed you when film companies have been filming our way for things. We've had the Northern Quarter turned into New York for Captain America, and whatever that Marvel thing was last year. <clears throat> and most recently, America came, has come calling to Manchester once again. Netflix's The Crown needs our buildings to look all New York-y again. The fake yellow taxi was back. Paved paradise, put up a parking lot, literally. Off I go to continue to skulk in the corners, reading, listening, and watching in silence. All the best to the DDT team and all those who listen to this small but mighty podcast. And by the way, I heard DC question whether you have eaten a bowl of cereal on air ever. I think you know the answer. I think you know you have. If you have genuinely forgotten, then I'm here to remind you it was episode 54, October 2016, Pumpkin Palooza. <laughs> it remains my all-time favorite episode, but unlike others in the podcast game, you are matching that high level of quality constantly. You are the bar. The cereal bar, if you will. Simon. We are the bar! I was just going to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> I often wonder if I should go back and listen to some of our old shows just to hear <clears throat> what the conversations were, what we were talking about, what we were Thinking. I encourage you to do so. Okay. Will you do so as well? No. All right. Our next email comes from the bestest of the besties, Glenn, titled Superheroes. Hi, guys. My favorite superhero has always been Batman. I think mainly because Adam West came along just at the same time as I first started getting into wrestling. And it's always been that thing of guys play fighting dressed in lycra. My question this week is who were your favorite superheroes when you were growing up and did it change as you got older? Once again, thanks for all of the support. Glenn. Bit.ly forward slash help a bestie. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> I've always been an X-Men fan. Wolverine. Uh, nope. Never been my. I collected Wolverine as a kid. I was always fond of Wolverine. I became less fond of Wolverine once the movies came along because Hugh Jackman is a nice Wolverine in theory, except he's a foot too tall, and that's always bothered me. It really should have been Bob Hoskins. Yeah, it really should have. What is it about Wolverine? I just always liked that he was um, a badass, and it probably has something to do with my love of horror as well because some of those comics, the earlier ones there, are pretty gory. Um, because of his healing factor, like he'd get his nose broken and his eye'd be hanging out of his socket. You know what I mean? Like there was some pretty sure. disturbing imagery in, in some of that real early stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that was probably just again sort of feeding into my my love of horror. And again, he had those claws. He was straight up murdering fools. He was not a friendly superhero. You know what I mean? Um, and that was always sort of appealing in some way. Uh. Yeah, when I was a kid, I really liked Colossus. Not entirely sure. I think he just looked cool. And who doesn't want to, you know, become a metal man and be able to punch stuff and lift things? And <clears throat> um, I've enjoyed Nightcrawler. I enjoy the Beast now more than I did, or Beast, rather, now more than I did before. Um, I think I relate to him less in the super smart, sciencey way. 
and more in the furry. <laughs> more in the I am growing fur in places I didn't used to sort of way. Um, I've never been a big Spider-Man fan. No. I've never been a big Captain America fan. No. I never liked Iron Man. No? Not really. I didn't li- I I didn't like any of the characters that ended up laying the groundwork for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like from the well, comics, I didn't like Iron Man. I didn't like Thor. I didn't really care about the Incredible <clears throat> Hulk. I didn't care about What's the Avengers? I was never into the Avengers. No. I liked I liked the Avengers, when the Avengers expanded. And I liked learning about, oh, who's this guy, Stingray? The Avengers just some were... some guy who's really only good underwater. The Avengers were always the B team back when, in comics, I think, when we were growing up. The A yeah. team was the X-Men. But then yeah. those movie rights got tied up over at Fox, and Marvel had to move with other properties. And it yeah. ended up get, making them more prominent. At least that's my reading. I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think, you know, in the 60s, it was all about the Avengers. My father-in-law, who's a big comic fan, grew up loving Thor and, you know, the Hulk and all of that. <clears throat> I think our generation, it was much more X-Men. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm I'm still reading comics. I'm enjoying them. But I, I like the villains. I like the random characters. You you know, they just had this villain in an Electra series called Bloody Lips. I think he only shows up in like five comics. He's this Australian serial killer who, if he eats a part of you, can like get your memories and your abilities and all of that sort of thing. So I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah, those were our superheroes. And it kind of changed. All right. Che is here with Shocker. Hey guys, what is the most noteworthy thing in fictional media that has shocked you the most? Anything from something in wrestling to a scene in a horror film or any form of media. Hope you guys are well. Hope you enjoy TakeOver, even though some of the matches were really stretched out. They were super long. Even Keith Lee and Dijak could have been five minutes shorter yeah they're just you know and they had six matches but it was three i was a three-hour show pretty sure um the most shocking thing in fictional media i remember being a kid in 96 and watching hogan turn and being surprised because you didn't expect it or at least i didn't expect it as a kid i don't know if i consider that shocking though Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble this year was pretty shocking, <laughs> but people are worried about him because the he's been beating like he wrestled MVP this week on Raw and beat him in like two minutes, and the the excitement over Drew McIntyre seems to be dwindling a little bit. So people are like, is he going to just lose to Brock and they're going to have to find somebody else? And it's possible, but very possible. I also wonder if it's just because I don't know if Drew McIntyre is going to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia shows next week. Um, and while they're not doing a whole lot, Brock's wrestling ricochet at that show. But it's just the storyline now on Raw is all about uh, Seth Rollins and his little messiah group. So, yeah. Do you do you have a shocking thing you're thinking of? Anything that? Not really. Um. I was shocked when Drew Barrymore died in the beginning of Scream. Okay. Spoiler. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of things I watched as a kid that would have shocked me, but nothing really comes to mind. So, I was shocked that Doomsday murdered Superman. I'm sure people were shocked when like Bane broke Batman's back. Yeah. But I was collecting comics at that time. Yeah. I guess. Are we just boring yeah. people? I don't even think we're boring people so much as it's just we're not shocked. <laughs> I don't know. All right. We got two emails from Danielle. The first one, I didn't see the subject line. Oops. Hello. Last night I had this brilliant idea. Why not try out scheduling an email to DDT Podcast? And now it's 12.10 p.m. on the day to send emails, Wednesdays. And I'm curious to see if this future tool will come in handy when I have a question to email about, allowing me to keep the email short. Ah, question. Biggest heel turn in wrestling history. Worst heel turn. What about one that's underrated, even if the superstar wasn't a top-tiered performer? 
Currently at the end of WCW 1996 with six days till Starcade, main event Hogan vs. Piper. NWO is in full swing with multiple members. I've enjoyed the story, but maybe I'm missing the context clues on how revolutionary this was. Did the NWO's antics and story play into affect y'all's childhood? I love to hear the besties' thoughts on this, too. Thanks, guys, for all the comedic relief you bring to all our lives, Danielle. P.S. Comedy, a topic idea for next week's email. Then she follows up with correction. It didn't work because it sends to the receiver's time zone, so sending it at 12.15 p.m., my time is past y'all's. And you can cancel scheduling and it'll send it immediately, that's nice to know. And now I know to factor in time zones when scheduling emails. Hasta luego. Biggest heel turn in wrestling history. You already mentioned Doc it. Doc Manson, your thoughts, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I. The only other person who could do it is John Cena. You could say maybe Steve Austin when he joined Vince McMahon, but he had been a heel so much in his earlier days. Um yeah, Seth Rollins. I don't I think guess, it was to that. Some people. I don't think that was that shocking. I think to some people, to a new generation, Seth Rollins' heel turn would be huge. To us, we were like, "Well, somebody's gonna do it." Right, and he was always the snaky one. So I, I don't know. Worst heel turn. I'll mention something that's happening in the wrestling I'm watching right now. Razor Ramon is kind of turning heel, except he doesn't wind up doing it. He's wrestling the one, two, three kid who's like trying to get respect and being this plucky guy who's, you know, takes a beating, keeps on ticking sort of thing. Kind of like he's he's almost trying to be the WWF version of Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah. Um, but Razor is just bullying this kid and like slapping him and hitting up him upside the head and try. And I'm like, why did you not turn heel? Because eventually, spoilers, the one, two, three kid turns heel. And they do this whole thing where, like, the one, two, three kid winds up in a diaper because it's a crybaby match and the loser has to wear a diaper. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm guessing it's the beginning of the, oh, we don't want to cheer for the plucky underdog. We want to cheer for the cool anti-hero sort of character. Yeah. Um, but it just watching it back in hindsight, I'm like, this makes no sense. Um, he'll turn that's underrated, even if the superstar wasn't a top tier performer. Hmm. Angle turning heel and doing the whole, although, no. Angle turning whatever it was and becoming the Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care, I've got Olympic gold guy. Working comedy good. into his routine? Yes. <clears throat> yes. For someone who didn't seem to have that bone to suddenly be like, oh, I can be hilarious when I want to be. Yeah. Was pretty awesome. Yeah. And again, watching ECW, the whole Mick Foley turning heel by embracing WCW and trying to get Tommy Dreamer to not be hardcore. Uncle Eric, is that? Yeah. Are they like all the promos you read and have a nice day? I'm at that point in time watching those promos right now. I can see that being a good one. Yeah. You know, I know ECW is not for everybody. Even uh, Jericho's heel turn when he came back and wasn't talking to the audience. That was good. That was a good one, too. Very good. Good question, Danielle. All right. Brandon Banks, never change. Just want to say how much I appreciate you two. Yes, there are times I listen to the podcast and wonder what it is that I'm listening to. (laughs) But I still love you both. Stay true to who you are, especially on Twitter. Doc, just a heads up. Next week, you'll have to come up with another piece of positivity. Start thinking of one now. Send for my iPhone. Thanks, Brandon. That's very helpful, except I am racking my brain trying to come up with one for five minutes from now and i am struggling so yeah our final one interestingly brandon sent never change and an hour and 17 minutes later uh the ultimate warrior sent one that said changes dear dc and doc although the first ever ddt bestie auction draft has come to an end a burning question remains how do i get rid of syphilis well get it burning question First, you get the oil pan. <laughs> DC, you say that down. having inherited Glenn's roster partway through, are there any talents you would have made a point to add to your roster earlier in the draft that Glenn did not? Doc, please critique DC's choices. All the best. Warrior. Yeah, so Glenn was one of the GMs. Um, these are all people, with the exception of Jeremy, uh, who emailed this week, Che and Brandon and Glenn and the Ultimate Warrior. Um, but Glenn tapped out halfway through. The stuff's going on that he's been dealing with, I think, has taken a turn. 
And so he's really got to focus on that. He's not going to have time. So I took over as GM. Um, the fact that his first draft pick was The Fiend. Nice. I was like, oh. And then his second one was Aaron Stevens. Huh. That's varied. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I liked his roster a lot. I traded away one or two of the talents. I don't think he'd mind. Like, I traded Gallows and Anderson. Um, They're serviceable, know. especially since it's an auction draft. Given, depending on what the price was. I, I mean, I can see that being a solid choice. He got him. Well, I don't remember if this was actually. I think that had to do with the trade. I think he got him for under $20, which is pretty good. Um, I would have liked uh, Io Shirai. Mm-hmm. Um, he drafted Riho, who's the current, yep. or not anymore, was the AEW Women's Champion. I watched one or two matches of her. I don't get it. She's so, fine, just sort of unexciting, I think. But she's yeah. technically fine. Um, Nikki Cross would have come to mind. Obviously, I'm going to go after the Revival if I have that choice. I feel like Riho, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on this. I feel like Riho this is, is Kyrie Zane. Without any of the zest. Okay. That's that's a fair. I can see that connection. Sure. So, yeah. So, you know, I I don't think I would have made bad picks. I wouldn't have had any interest in Angelina Love. She got drafted. Oh, she's pretty good. Uh, I like Angelina Love. I would have tried to go for Sarah Logan. I would have gone for the talents that I like. You know, I, I rarely go into a draft with a strategy, which is probably a problem. I probably should have one. Um... So I don't know how I would have handled an auction draft right away. We're talking about potentially doing an all-time auction draft rather than a current wrestler auction draft. And Banks and Company says I should be a GM for that one. But I kind of enjoy being the auctioneer and kind of just organizing and keeping things together. So we'll see. But I'll let you know. I'll let you know when it starts. If you want to play some bids and I'm good. do some more drafts. Thank you, though. All right. Thank you to the... Emailers this week, Simon and Glenn and Che and Danielle and Brandon and the Warrior. Uh, it is that time, Doc Manson. I'll go first. I'll give you time to think. Mine's going to um, be a cop-out, so maybe I should go first. Okay, go ahead. Saw. It's really... I've watched to, to be like fair, eight it's movies. My fault for, it's my fault for bringing but it But on top of it, I've watched like eight it. movies in the last week. So, you know, it's sort of been eating up all of my time. There isn't hasn't time for much else. There was one evening yeah. I watched two of those movies back to back. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it's sort of been my week. Well, this is the problem. Like, I know that's something that you were doing. And so I wanted to make sure we had time to talk about it. And that kind of takes the piece of positivity. So there is a part of me that sometimes wonders if we need to, if we should be weaving the piece of positivity in rather than saving it for the end. But it is kind of the culminating. Yeah. I mean, I don't think show. it's a problem to reiterate something we talked about no. earlier. I think that's. Fair, not surprising, a little bit of a cop-out, but overall, I think fair. Again, if you were talking about what really took up my time and I mostly enjoy, I was looking forward to watching the next one every time, you know? So, um, Well, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to be it. How about yourself, DC? Vacation. Getting away. Getting away from the grind, the daily, I'm not even going to say 9 to 5, 7.30 to 4. Um, you know, uh, Mrs. Matthews and I had a long weekend. We had an extra long weekend. We had four days, which is unusual in February. Usually we only get three. Um, and so we took off to the great white North. We saw some family briefly, uh, but then we went and just luxuriated and hung out and relaxed and ate delicious food. And it was wonderful. And, we both woke up this morning and had to go back to work and neither of us felt as depressed about it as we had felt last week or the week before. So it's good to, it's good to get away and kind of just let the, you know, let the worries of the world stay home while you go off. And why, why, why is it in my brain? The word luxuriate is a very moist word. I think it's because it's kind of sounds like marinate. Sure. Kind of. Okay. But I just. It can be as moist as you want. We were up in, there was snow, there was rain, there was some sleet, there was moisture in the air. I pictured you and the missus and there was juice. That's all I'm saying. Orange juice in the morning with our breakfast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's nice. Yeah, no. That's nice. So, 
I you know I highly recommend it. It's not necessarily in in everyone's cards. Not everyone has the same sort of schedule. But if you can get away, even I even think day trips, even if it's for the day, find a place you know an hour or so away from you. Go do something different. Look at different scenery and luxuriate all over if it. If you can, if you can get to the water, mm-hmm. luxuriate in the water, luxuriate on the land, hold a loved one close and luxuriate on them. Well, we found our theme for the title of this show. All right, luxuriate is a moist word. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Doc Manson. Anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good night? Emails. You got them. We want them. Podcast at DDTWrestling.com. Head on over to DDTPod.com to listen to our back catalog. And if you like what you've heard and how could you, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash DDTWrestling to send just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps keep the lights on and the podcast train of chugging. And speaking of which... um. I did recently swap over our hosting. We're no longer on Simplecast. We're now on Pinecast. I think it's going to be a seamless transition. It already happened. So if you've been listening to the show over the course of the past week, we're probably good. But this will be the first episode that goes up that way. Hopefully we don't have any problems. You'll note if If you do do, go to ddtpod.com, it's now a different website than it used to be because I was just using Simplecast's built-in website. And so now I'm using... Uh, Pinecast built-in website. It looks a little different, but it's basically all the same. So I don't know if you can see that. I cannot. I went to ddtpod.com and it said, this site can't be reached. www.ddtpod.com server IP address could not be found. If I'm ge- I'm going to guess that that is a cache issue to your... Nope. Nope. It doesn't load here either. It was working. Well, well all right. now i got something Whenever else to do. Whenever you hear this, maybe you'll hear it on Friday. Maybe you'll hear it later. But either way, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, 210 of the DDT podcast. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. And until we meet again, my friends, have yourself a wonderful whenever it is you listen to this. Won't you be a bestie? So it looks like DDTpod.com works. But www.ddtpod.com does not. Okay. Neither of them work for me, but maybe it is a cash thing. All right. Bye, everybody.